This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked to be here with you today. Baseball is reaching its climax as we end the regular season and the playoffs are just around the corner. Of course, we are getting ready for the playoffs. There are a couple teams that still believe they have a chance to make the playoffs. The Chicago Cubs are one of them. The Chicago White Sox are not. There are White Sox fans that are rooting for their pal Jake Berger to make the playoffs. I'm sure there are plenty of White Sox actually rooting for the Cubs to get into the playoffs so that their family and friends could be happy. The jersey still says Chicago at the end of the day. That's how some people think. I'm rooting for my friend Jake Berger, friend of the Barroom Network, of course. But speaking of the Barroom Network, I thought today would be a great idea, great day to talk to the founder of the Barroom Network. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend, Aldo Gandia. Aldo! Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, feeling better every day from my health issues, and it's always fun to be on your show, talk sports, and uh, just catch up on stuff. Absolutely. Now, I've been looking forward to having you on basically for, you know, the last handful of months. I was like, you know what, Aldo, he's going to be fine. He's going to be great. And I can't wait to have him on the show again. It is my pleasure to have you back on the show. And I thank you in my head every single day for giving me a platform to yell and scream about sports. It's uh, been my pleasure. You've uh, surpassed my expectations. You know, uh, your knowledge of sports, your entertaining presentation of sports, your passion for sports. Uh, it's just what the bar wants and needs. And uh, congratulations on what is this year three, I want to say? We're in year three. Yep. Uh, outstanding. So uh, let's keep it going, brother. Absolutely. I love every second of it. And we're happy to have you now. Part of what makes me crazy is baseball. Um, I'm a freaking weirdo. I care way too much. I spent way too much time watching a team that barely reached 60 wins. Um, of course, we're talking about the Chicago White Sox. Yes, I echo my mom's sentiments. Glad you're recovering well, of course. Thank um, you. She's pissed off about the White Sox, too. I'm sure she cares so much. Um, yeah, they're terrible. And I know baseball probably hasn't been at the top of the mind throughout the summer this offseason when it comes to your sports. But, I mean, you got to have some kind of thought on this monstrosity. Yeah. Well, you know, at my age, uh, I can only put up with so much disappointment. So early in the season when both Chicago baseball teams started off poorly, I said, you know, I'm going to limit the amount of baseball I'm going to watch. But I have been following 
following the headlines and so forth. And with the White Sox, it's just so doggone disappointing. I truly felt that Tony La Russa was behind uh, the team's lack of accomplishment uh, the previous season. And I didn't know uh, Pedro very well, but I did expect them to, you know, perhaps perform at a higher level. Well, that hasn't been the case. And, you know, I look at the personnel in the White Sox, and there are so many, in my opinion, good or promising players in that. And, you know, of course, you're going to start the, any conversation about the, the player personnel in the White Sox with Lewis Robert. I mean, the guy is a budding star. He's going to be making a lot of money when that contract is done and he's signing up for a new one. And then, you know, you look at guys like, you know, Andrew Vaughn, and other players in the roster. And I, and I say to myself, this should be a, a playoff contending team, not, not a team with the horrific record that they have now. What is it, like 30 games under 500? Yep, 60 and 98. <laughs> that is just atrocious. So I ask you, the guy who has you know lived with this uh, frustration every day of the year. What? Why is this team not placing playing at least five hundred ball? You know, over the last handful of years, you chalk it up to injury. Um, you could blame Tony Larusa. Um, there were a lot of things. Now, last year, I did tell people be careful. This eighty-one and eighty-one White Sox team is the fifth best team in, since two thousand. Like, it's not like they're so bad like we're seeing this year. And, the, you know, it ended up being true. Like, this is actually the look of a bad baseball team. Like, 95 to 100 losses, you stink. Um, you know, you get to 102 losses, 105 losses, you're talking about being one of the worst teams of all time. But, um, you know, as far as why, Luis Robert Jr., he's great. Andrew Vaughn, I still think there's another level he can get to. Eloy had his, you know, issue with his health. It wasn't a baseball injury this time. He actually, like, had, like, a health issue that he had to deal with, and he came back from that faster than I expected, and he's played more games this year than he has in a long time, um, surpassing 100 for the first time since his rookie year. I know that's not that big of an accomplishment, but, I mean, for him, it actually is. Yes. Um, Yoan Mankata was very injured for the first half of this season, and he was terrible, and he's been the best hitter on the team since August. And mm -hmm. you don't want to hear it, of course. Because it's like, oh, wow, Moncada was good when the games didn't count. Like, where has he been for the last four years? Agreed. Totally get that. But I hate to, like, put it this way. He is the third baseman in 2024. So him playing better since August is better than him not playing better since August. And then the pitching. You get rid of Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn for as much as they have kind of come back down to earth a little bit since the 2021 season. They're still MLB starting pitchers that are – heavily coveted in a rotation. That's why they both were acquired at the trade deadline. Um, you start replacing those guys with guys who are supposed to be in AAA. Of course, you're going to lose baseball games and be down four, nothing after three innings. And, you know, th those are all the reasons that I think this team um, are where they are now. The seven and 17 start after April is really where things started to fall off. They were above 500 in May. They went 16 and 15 in May and they, um, are one of those teams that they like, they just gave up. Um, so yeah, uh, Chubb says, dude, the socks suck, Cubs are three times better. Duh, I'm not coping with anything. What are you talking there's, about? There's no argument here. Chubbs. Yeah, that sounds to me like Chubbs is coping with the fact that they're gonna choke away their playoff spot that they had a seven game lead on over the weekend. That's yeah. that Chubbs is the one who's coping here. Um, go Marlins, but yeah, I think. 
the fact that they kind of like just gave up. And that's to be a big issue. Pedro Grafal, he's a big issue too. He's worse than Tony LaRusa. Nobody wants to, and you know me, I came on the show and screamed about wanting Tony LaRusa's head every single week last year. Um, Pedro Grafal has been worse. It is just a fact, in my opinion. There's fights in the locker room. This guy hates that guy. This guy's doing this. They, I, someone might have punched someone in the face in the All Star break and left early. That's just decommitment to the team. I just, I, there's so many issues with this team, and it basically all comes down to the coach and the owner of the ball club. Jerry Reinsdorf um, ha, is going to always be one of the most interesting. Uh, sports owners in Chicago history. I mean, he's got the six. Chubb uh, <laughs> says that reaction was totally. Worth I know that. the game Chubbs <laughs> plays. I know the game he plays. I'm well aware. I play the same game, Chubbs. You can't. You can't out troll the troll. How about that, Chubbs? I am good. the troll. Remember that. That Remember that. <laughs> but, you know, with Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, he did bring us six NBA titles. But you got to remember that he, I always feel that he kind of stumbled into that because he bought the team the year after Michael Jordan was drafted by the previous regime. And so he did just enough to surround Michael Jordan with the right players to eventually win a championship after six seasons of frustration. Jerry Krause, you know, was uh, for all his faults, you know, he did get the proper lineup around him. He finally figured out how to do it. Now, I also blame Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause for the Bulls potentially not winning more championships if Jerry Krause would have been a better general manager and a general manager that the players liked to play for as opposed to disliked, uh, perhaps Jordan would have never retired and they would have had instead of six NBA crowns, they would have had eight and 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 competed for the Boston Celtics cha- uh, record of nine championships in 11 years. That could have happened if the general manager would have been the kind of guy that inspired the players to go for those records. But getting back to Jerry Reinsdorf, he just has, you know, either been the luckiest guy around or... Um, or maybe he's good and we don't give him enough credit. What do you, what do you think about Jerry Reinsdorf overall uh, uh, in terms of his ownership of Chicago sports teams and his m- media company, monop- not Monopoly, but Kingdom uh, that he has with uh, NBC Sports and, and Comcast? Yeah, so I think Jerry Reinsdorf is a very smart businessman. You don't become a billionaire owner by you know being a dummy. Okay, so I'm not going to discredit his brain by any means. I do discredit his want or care for the sports teams that he owns to be the best versions of themselves. He did luck into Michael Jordan. Remember, Michael Jordan wasn't the number one pick. The mm-hmm. Bulls got so lucky. That is the greatest. And listen, was it Hakeem Olajuwon who was the number one pick in the draft? Yes. Great player. Oh, yeah. Hall of Famer. I, I think mm-hmm. number two was a bust. But mm-hmm. number three was Michael Jeffrey Jordan. My mom could have owned the team. My dad, my grandpa, they all could have owned the team. And they would have won six championships. I do believe that Jerry Krause, the, the Scotty Pippen, the, you know, getting, um, what's his name for the, the third run? Um, uh, uh, Dennis Rob- Rodman. Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. You know, even guys like Kerr and all the bench players that were great. That, that Bulls team was well put together, but you had Michael Jordan. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the LeBron James had a couple championship teams built around him too. And he did a lot of that work. Not even the general managers of those teams. And then you get to the 2005 White Sox. 
Okay, they were 99 and 63 in the regular season, which is a phenomenal record. There is only one, two, two teams with a better record than that in Major League Baseball right now heading into the final weekend of the season. The Dodgers will probably surpass it. They are 98 and 61 with three games to go. I'm sure they will break the 99, you know, at least get to tie that record. They probably won't lose the upcoming series, but you get what I mean. That was a great record. That was a great team. Kenny Williams put together an Island of Misfit Toys that season, and they went on one of the most magical runs in MLB history. You know, they had two 40 home run hitters, Jermaine Dye and Paul Konerko. Nobody else on that team was like a real home run threat every single time they came up to bat. You had Scott Pitsenik had zero home runs in the regular season, and then he hits two in the postseason. One was a walk-off, and one was a game winner during the regular part of the game. Um, Tadahito Aguchi, who knew who Tadahito Aguchi was before 2005? <laughs> Juan Uribe had one of the most miraculous Derek Jeter like catches in the postseason. Uh, AJ Pierzynski, having just the smartest brain I've ever seen from a catcher. Joe Creedy, until his back hurt, was one of the best finds they ever had. So, like, all of these things came together. Oh, and the pitching staff. I didn't even get to that pitching staff with Contreras and Burley and Garland and Freddie Garcia. Mm. They they just they got hot at the right time, and as a result, Jerry Reinsdorf is the winningest owner in professional sports right now. He's wow. got he's got Bob Kraft by one, right? I think Bob Kraft has the I six. Think, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, so I guess he he should be proud of that. He's the owner of sure. seven championships, but it could have been more. It could have been could have been more, and it could have been more recent. And yes. also, sports very much is, Aldo, and you know this better than anybody, being a Chicago Bears diehard like you are. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? The 85 Bears might be the worst thing that ever happened to the Bears. It's also the best thing that ever happened to the Bears. <laughs> but right. we still sing the Super Bowl shuffle, and it's been 40-something years. <laughs> That's right. And they don't care anymore. It's like everybody's satisfied because they have the 85 Bears. I'm never satisfied. I hope my favorite teams – I, I want the Devils to win six Stanley Cups with their core that they're about to go through right now. Like, you, you just can't stop. You have to keep going. And Jerry Reinsdorf hasn't done that as an owner. Um, I wish he had, but the White Sox, they're just in a bad spot right now because of it. But yeah. I do think he hasn't always put his best foot forward and made the fans his top priority. Well, you wrote a great article for Fansided today about Dylan Cease, and he's pitching tonight, and, and you wrote in that article that he pitched brilliantly in his last start. And so that's what I'm going to be looking for in this remaining three-game series is individual performances. Cease has to make a promise that he's going to come back and build upon his 2022 season and other players who are going to play in this series You know, have to give us a glimmer of hope, and then hopefully then in the offseason, uh, the White Sox uh, – and their new management group will make the right player acquisitions to put together a competitor or, you know, gut it in the way that we can see promise that in a year or two, they can uh, start to contend uh, year after year after year for playoffs. And so that's what I'm looking for. And then, you know, we got to talk a little bit about the Cubs because as you said at the beginning, the Cubs are the most interesting uh, team in, in, in baseball here in Chicago. And, you know, they still have a glimmer of hope of making the playoffs. Now, this collapse, you know, what is it, 10 out of 14 games they've lost? Uh, they actually had, before that 
losing streak, that losing, they had a 92% chance of making the playoffs. And now after last night's loss, it's down to like 15, 20%. What a disaster. And that's the thing about the Cubs. This is like an old girlfriend or old, in my case, old wife that just keeps breaking your heart over and over and over again, which is why I eventually stopped watching them because the heartbreak is so much. And when I saw what happened in Atlanta, uh, it, well, the Suzuki drop, that I mean, that was reliving other heartbreaks in Cubs history. It was deja vu all over again. And uh, so I, I'm actually pulling for them to win, unlike you. I know you're going for Florida Marlins, which is why you strategically wore that hat. But I'm actually putting because I'm a Chicago sports fan and I want all the Chicago sports teams to do well. But my 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 confidence level is 0.0 that they're going to do anything to make us proud. Let me be very clear about something. I love Jake Berger. He's come on the show twice, and he's probably going to come on a third time based on some things that I've heard in conversations I've had. Love Jake Berger. He's on the Miami Marlins. I wanted them both to make it. And if you notice, Aldo, this season, I haven't tweeted as much funny things about the Cubs this season because – and that's why I laughed at Chubbs's comment at the beginning of the program when we first were talking – um, I have not once ripped on the Cubs this season. They were funny to make fun of a little bit early in the season when they were kind of stinky pre-May-ish, kind of got mm -hmm. off to a bad start. But, like, when the White Sox are this bad, I don't run my mouth about the Cubs. I have a brain. I'm not mm -hmm. doing that. I There were people yesterday, like, laughing that the Cubs lost to the Braves and the Packers got killed by the Lions on the same night. I'm like, What? <laughs> the Bears are 0-3 and they're the worst team in the NFL and the White Sox are about to be 40 games under 500. All right. I mean, I'm not making fun of anyone here. My Me rooting for the Marlins is strictly Jake Berger business. I was rooting for the Diamondbacks to be the team that got ousted and the, uh, the Marlins to come in. And then if the Cubs made it like, you know, certain people, a lot of people on the network here, family of mine, they'd all be happy and we'd sure. watch playoff games together. You know, and... I'm going to be spending some time in Wisconsin next week. And if they do make the playoffs, their likely opponent would be the Milwaukee Brewers. And I do think a Brewers Cubs matchup at a bar in Wisconsin would be very far. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. That, in, in that regard, I'm also kind of rooting for them to get in just so I can, you know, cheer on the brew crew with a couple of my fellow Wisconsinese. But because um, I have to hate them during football season. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be an interesting weekend for the Cubs. They ran out of gas, it seems like. And the Atlanta Braves, they clinched the best record in Major League Baseball en route to sweeping the Chicago Cubs. I mean, I, I think everything they've done this season is actually great. They were seven games under 500 on July 4th. You know, when we were all lighting our sparklers and swimming and having a barbecue, the Chicago Cubs were seven games under 500. Now they enter the final series of the season with a chance to make the playoffs. And listen, the Marlins, they're playing the Pirates. The Pirates have played the Cubs hard here in the final stretch of the season and made it tough for them. The Diamondbacks are playing the – they're playing someone good, if I remember correctly. They're playing the Houston Astros, who are also fighting for their playoff life. So to come into the series thinking the Cubs are dead is just inaccurate. They really do have a chance. I would put it – I think – what did you say the odds statistically are? Like 15%? Uh, of, making, of making the playoffs, they dropped to under 20%, between 15 and 20, I saw. 
That's interesting to me. I think a lot of that has to do with tiebreakers. The Cubs do. Actually, it's uh, 17.7 according to Fangraphs. Okay, and Fangraphs is pretty mathematically accurate with a lot of these things, especially when it's only three games that they kind of have to dissect here. The right. Cubs don't hold tiebreakers over the Marlins or the Diamondbacks, so they essentially have to, at minimum, win two of the three against mm-hmm. the Brew Crew this week. But they also – the they need help from the Marlins and the Diamondbacks here to not win games. Um, and you know the Brew Crew. Hey, we can eliminate our biggest rival this week. They, they're clinched. They clinched the NL Central. A lot of the times, I think they would rest their best players. I don't think that's happening this weekend because the Bears let the Eagles get into the playoffs mm-hmm. two years ago. The code or three? No, that's way more than that now. Wow, five years ago, they could have rested their starters in the second half when they realized they weren't getting the bye, and the Vikings would have got in the playoffs over the Eagles. How'd yeah. that work out for you? You can't. You, sometimes you got to be strategic with this stuff. I, If I were the Brewers, I would try so hard to eliminate these guys. And, yeah, that's where I stand on the Cubs right now. They're a great team, and they're only going to open their pocketbook and spend more money this offseason. Got to extend Bellinger. They need a third baseman, a bullpen. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's been, you know, when when they traded away, you know, all their uh, star players from their from their World Series, when I thought to myself, oh, no, this is going to be another one of those long rebuilds where they're going to gut the whole thing. It's going to be so painful. But they've act- actually exceeded my expectations, and so credit to them. And so hopefully maybe they're building something here so that the 2024 season could uh, provide us with a really World Series contending team, a real World Series contending team. I wanted to ask you, because one of the great things about Crosstown Crosstalk is that you talk Cubs and White Sox, but you also talk about baseball teams across the country and baseball players across the country. It's a great way to stay on top of Major League Baseball, not just the Cubs and White Sox. Well, um, the kid who just uh, stole that 70th base and made a new category for baseball records. I got the video here of him stealing the base. It happened against the Cubs in the 10th inning. Of, so I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the on the record and then also wanted to ask you, what did you think about the Chicago Cubs announcers who were critical of the fact that they stopped the game to give them the base and ran on montage highlight? They were saying, this is disgusting. This is this shouldn't be. You know, What are your thoughts? Were, were the Cubs announcers be, uh, sour grapes? So, first of all, Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably going to win the MVP now. He's leading Mookie Betts like two weeks ago, and then Acuna got to 40-70. Listen, I I would sign up. I tweeted this from the Southside Showdown account. I would sign up for the White Sox to have a 40-30 guy, right? Like, you know, they they would never even think about having a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. Could they have waited till the end of the game considering the next pitch? Ended the game. Literally the next pitch ended the game. Yes, they could have absolutely done that. Do I care that they didn't, though? No. And I'm not saying that with any kind of Cubs hate whatsoever. Ronald Acuna Jr. is unreal. Okay? And, yes, they ran that montage and Boog Shiambi was all pissed off about it. Like, whatever. That's fine. But I, I kind of get where they're coming from. Like the, the game's literally about to end. Like you can't wait five minutes. Like they're the next. Yeah. But you know, when sometimes when players reach those types of milestones, we see them get celebrated on the spot. Now, is Ronald Acuna Jr. joining the forty seventy club? Babe Ruth breaking or Barry Bonds breaking 
Henry Aaron's record? No, it's not. Right. Is it someone breaking the ERA title record or the whatever record? No, it's not. But it's something for him to be proud of. Now, the new rules helped Ronald Acuna Jr. steal 70 bases. There's no doubt about that. You can't make a third motion to first base. Otherwise, if you don't actually get him out, it's a it's a I think it's a balk. Yes. If they um, mess up on the third try, you can only, you know, make two um, breakaways from the mound. Otherwise, yeah, that happens. So it makes it a little bit easier for guys to steal bases. You know, after the two pickoff moves, you're going to be able to get a little bit of an extra step for the lead. But, I mean, hey, it's something It's something that no other two sides are going to agree on. Cubs fans are going to be mad about it. Braves fans are going to be like, dude, what are you talking about? We're the Atlanta Braves. Um, we're going to celebrate our guy who's going to go win the MVP. Sometimes baseball is about statistical achievements. I think more than any other sport. Baseball, and listen, you know me, I love every sport. I'm not biased towards one or the other. Baseball, more than any sport, is a statistical celebration sport. We love when guys break records. When so-and-so hits, we made a big deal about Judge setting the American League record. It wasn't even the Major League Baseball record. When he hit his 60-second home run, every baseball fan in the world got in a circle, and you know what. Like, it was just, you know, one of those things, like, we love when that stuff happens, so they celebrated it in Atlanta. I'm not at all mad about it. Chubbs is, uh, says, you know, I thought I'd be happy about your misery, but I'm not. I hope the Sox are good next year. You know, I got to say this. I, you know, I follow not Chubbs. Miserable. <laughs> yeah, I follow Chubbs on social media. It seems like he's gone through this, you know, life transformation. He's posting philosophical sayings about being good to your fellow man and stuff. And I'm like, oh, Chubbs. You know, when I first met Chubbs on social media, he was like this crotchety old man. You know, get off my lawn. <laughs> this tweet is meant for you kind of stuff. And now he is like, you know, re wishing people well, telling people to be nice to one another. Chubbs is, uh, you know, he says now, you know, I thought I'd be happy. Oh, that's the same one. <laughs> um, uh, Chubbs has gone through a transformation. Good to see Chubbs. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I like Chubbs. Listen, I'm passionate about sports. Chubbs is passionate about sports. When Chubbs and I first started going at it about this White Sox Cup, we actually haven't talked in a while. I don't know if he's been in, watching the shows all year. I mean, I kind of think he hasn't based on what he thinks. But I, when when I first all did all that Cubs, don't forget the Cubs were really good in the first half of 2021. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was running my mouth because the White Sox were really good too. That's a rivalry. It's fun. They're both good. When one is brutal and one is awesome, I'm not the one. I, I might be happy for my boy Jake Berger this weekend, but you're not going to see me like, ha ha. I'm just not going to do that this weekend. So, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things. I probably would do it for like the Guardians or the Twins or mm -hmm. something like that. Unless my guy Twins Ted was coming on the show, then I would probably keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I just love it all so much, and nothing at the end of the day is personal for me. There you go. Yeah, regarding Acuna, you know, you, I was going to say the same thing you said. Baseball is a game about records, and so, in my opinion, stopping the game to celebrate the the first player ever to hit 40 home runs and get 77 stolen bases, I think it's a good marketing idea. You know, the, the baseball has, is, has to think of ways of maintaining their audience base and growing that audience base and those that video that i just showed of him holding up the base that's great video that that is uh, you know good stuff for kids and and old uh baseball fans to to rejoice you make a great point it's a lot easier now to break uh, records like that you know because rules have changed you know but rules have always had like every record in 
in baseball history books should have an asterisk. You know, when Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs, unfortunately, half the great ball players in the country were, were not allowed to play baseball. African Americans were relegated to the Negro baseball leagues and so forth. And so, you know, every every record, you know, has some kind of a little bit of an asterisk. I don't want to say a blemish because it's still a major accomplishment uh, because you're playing against other good ball players, but uh, when you're excluded including, you know, a lot of good ball players, it, it, it still is an accomplishment. And, and when, when you hear that in the Negro baseball leagues, one player hit like 80 home runs one season that, you know, why isn't that considered in, 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 in the uh, history books? Uh, so I, I totally get what you're saying about Acuna. And I think that the Chicago Cubs announcers should have probably just soaked in the moment, let it play it out and, and not sound like they were, you know, sore losers. I think they got, they had this feeling that this game is over. The Cubs are doomed. You know? So that's why they lashed on against the Braves organization. Absolutely. And you know what? Yes. I, I, despite the real change, I still think this is an incredible thing because I'm looking at the, the stolen base leaders. Everybody has the same rules as Ronald Acuna Jr. Everyone has the same new rules. The mm-hmm. guy in second place is Esturi Ruiz, and he has 65. A nice total. Yeah. Uh, his home run total, five. Yeah. Okay, five. <laughs> That's huge. Then the only other player over uh, 50 stolen bases is Corbin Carroll. He has 25 home runs, so a really nice season for him. But then those are the only three over 50, and there's only six guys over uh, 40. So everybody has the same rules, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is the only one that got to 70. So, Mm -hmm. And that's what I always say whenever there's new rules and people, you know, make changes. Like, listen, we all think Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, Mm -hmm. but when he breaks Dan Marino's passing record, do we all all of a sudden assume that he was a better quarterback (laughs) than Dan Marino? No. You know what I mean? Like rules change. People are understand that they recognize that the game changes and we know what it is that makes players truly great. Now they elevate their team. Ronald Acuna Jr. Is clearly one of those guys. He deserves to be celebrated. I'm not sure he gets to 40, 70 next year. And listen, we heard it was 40, 80 until about the all-star break that people were gunning for, for him. It ended up coming back just a little bit, 40, 70. Um, We've been hearing about it since June. So, like, of course, right when he did it, they were going to make a big stink of it. Um, only one fan base in the history of the league is going to remember that it had one pitch left to go and it was annoying, and that's the Cubs fan base. And I get it. They're frustrated. I would be frustrated too. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a great MLB accomplishment. It really is. It really is. Uh, and as for accomplishments with the Bears, uh, there. let's see. I, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> that they that they made it home from the game. <laughs> That's right. They made it home safely from yeah. Kansas City, <laughs> despite the ass kicking they got there. But you know, this organ this Bears organization is under attack yet again. And it's for something that I've been saying for years and years and years. They don't know how to run an operation and get everything in synchronicity. You hire your presidents, who then hires the general manager, who then hires the coaching staff, and it's all done in unison and with with vision in mind when you're bringing in a general manager uh, and who doesn't have the benefit of the blessing of the CEO president, you're going to head into some problems. You know, there, a guy like Kevin Warren with his experience in not only uh, uh, working in a, 
a football organization like he did with the Vikings, but also uh, head of the Big Ten for years, he could challenge Ryan Poles and say, okay, you want to bring in a head coach who has no head coaching experience, and then he's going to bring in an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator who've never called plays at the NFL level. Don't you think it would be a better idea to have a more diverse triad at the top, you know, a head coach perhaps, maybe a rookie head coach. Let's interview Mike McDaniel. He seems to be a, a great creative mind, but we team him up with a veteran defensive coach like a Vic Fangio, who's now working with Miami with Mike McDaniel. You know, somebody who can challenge your ideas, somebody who can, you know, oversee the whole operation and put best practices in place as opposed to how the Bears are doing it, bringing in Bill Polian, who, God bless Bill Polian, he had some accomplishments in the NFL, although only one Super Bowl title. Um, and, and, and you're leading, letting Bill Polian do this haphazard search where they're interviewing coaches and general managers at the same time. Who does that? No other organization does that. And so it, it's an organizational problem. Fans are learning more and more about the history of all of these mistakes that the Chicago Bears organization have done since the McCaskies took over, since Muggs Hallis died, uh, and then George Hallis passed away. Uh, unfortunately, McCaskies appear to be some very, very nice people, but just don't have the intellectual capacity on how to build a, a winning football organization, and uh, we're all suffering because of it. There's no doubt. I can't believe and it was hard to, like, kind of not be positive last time they made a regime change, but, like, looking back, I'm like, you were really okay with them like hiring Matt Eberflus before Ryan Poles. I don't know. Was it technically before? But if it, it, it wasn't before, they had the idea that they wanted him to be the coach right. before they hired Ryan Poles might have signed on the dotted line first, mm -hmm. but they knew they wanted Matt Eberflus. And it's not like you're getting Kyle Shanahan before um, you hire your GM. It's not like you're getting um, Mike Tomlin before hiring your GM, one of the great coaches of all time, you know, at any point. You're hiring a rookie head coach with a, a defensive mind uh, basically around the same time as you're hiring your GM. It hasn't worked for the past handful of regimes. They have uh, Ryan Pace and they bring in John Fox, but they already had the quarterback in place. And then they bring in a quarterback, you know, and then they fire John Fox and they bring in a new quarterback before they bring in um, – what Matt Nagy and then Matt Nagy has a new quarterback and he drafted Mahomes in Kansas City and he stuck with Trubisky in Chicago and then they draft Justin Fields and fire Nagy after one year of Justin Fields and now it's pretty clear to me that Justin Fields isn't the guy for Eberflus and Poles but they're going to keep Justin Fields or they're going to keep Eberflus they'll draft a bad quarterback and then fire Eberflus next year like there it just it keeps like a cycle repeating itself they need to marry all these guys at the same time right i'd be cool if ryan pole stuck around but you gotta this offseason if they don't get rid of eberflus and draft a new quarterback with the number one or number two pick whatever it is they have i i think it's gonna fail again and it's gonna be very frustrating i know i'm always the pessimistic one about the bears but i just can't find myself to like lie like sit here and lie to the people watching the program like oh yeah i think they'll figure it out i think there's nothing wrong with Fields. although do you know the the last opponent justin fields threw 300 yards against Yes, I do. 
Clemson. Yeah. Clemson. <laughs> yeah, I saw that recently. Not an NFL team. <laughs> I just about fell off my chair when I realized Clemson <laughs> in the college football playoff in 2021 is the last time that Justin Fields threw for over 300 yards in a football game. I mean, it is just unbelievable. I I don't trust the running game. Everybody loves him. They act like he's the second coming of Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson. He wasn't a running quarterback at Ohio State. He threw right. from the pocket. And I'm cool if he, like, developed and added an extra part of his game. That's what becoming an NFL quarterback is all about. Mahomes is very mobile. Um, Josh Allen can make plays with his legs. Aaron Rodgers in the prime of his career was able to make plays with his legs. Really, Tom Brady and Drew Brees were kind of the last of their kind to, like, mm-hmm. be pure pocket passers. And if it collapsed, they were getting sacked. Right. Like, but for the most part, Justin Fields, he, he just, he hasn't shown the ability and we're going to do it all over again. I, I love when people say Caleb Williams, is not going to go to the draft? Cause he's making money from his NIL deal and all that. Um, Caleb Williams is making $5 million from his NIL deal. Listen, I'd sign right up. I'd sign up for $1 million right now. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Bryce Young signed for $37 million. And that's a significant increase from anything he would make in college with NIL deals. So, you know, I, I, the, the thing with Justin Fields is we have several more games to determine if he can become a winning quarterback in the national football league. And I, I, I want to bring this up because we, we have two number one draft picks. It would be, Great if Fields can prove to us I can be a very good NFL quarterback so that we can devote those two number one draft picks on two studs on the defensive line or or wherever. You know, there's a lot of needs. The the issue is is that it's not looking that way. And so we may have to devote one of those picks to a quarterback. Fine. If we do that, it's good. But let's at least give him until the NFL bye for the Bears, which is week 13. Let's see if starting against the Denver Broncos, who gave up 70 points and over 700 yards of offense last week, let's see if Justin Fields can rush for 100 yards and pass for 250 yards and pick up a victory and then go to Washington on Thursday night and throw for 200 yards and three touchdowns and run for 75 yards and start to prove that perhaps it with certain adjustments to game plan and certain better performances by the surrounding cast, he can do it. Do I have a high level of confidence that he can? It's diminished, quite frankly, it's diminished tremendously over the first three weeks, but we have to put him through this test in order to see how we're going to continue this rebuild uh, because if we have to draft a a quarterback, the three-year rebuild is now a five-year rebuild. You're not going to draft a quarterback in 2024 and then expect it to be a playoff team right away. So uh, the the coaching clearly has been a problem. When you bring in a Luke Getze, who was the quarterback coach for Aaron Rodgers, who was a totally different quarterback than Justin Fields, you know, should have brought in somebody who had experience with running quarterbacks who could be not, not, not as you said, Fields wasn't the running quarterback in college, but that has those kind of athletic skills, you know, so that you can better use them, you know, like like with uh, the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson. It's just a very short-sighted, narrow-minded decision to bring in a quarterback coach who has never coached a quarterback with those unique skills that Justin Fields has. And he's not creative. He doesn't use Fields in creative ways. I actually put up on my uh, Barroom Network uh, Twitter account, X account, you know, 
know, the idea, I floated the idea. How about if we start using Justin Fields more like the Saints use Taysom Hill? And that way we get Tyson Bajant in the game and we could actually see him pass from the pocket and see if he can do it. But you've got for at least 25% of the snaps on the offense, Fields is lined up at the running back position, at the wide receiver position. You have him in the wildcat position. You're doing all these creative things to disrupt what is going on with this Bears offense because after every single game that Luke Getze has been the offensive coordinator, the opposing team says we know what they're doing we know that we have to keep fields in the pocket and so they've they're game planning now uh because they they've looked at the film and luke yetzi's not being creative enough to to come back with a different look a different solution to the problem it's it's really a really a bad situation for us chicago bears fans although i've always had the opinion not always it's kind of flipped in the last five or so years, but I think the quarterback impacts a team's ability to succeed more than any other position in any sport. The last two Stanley Cup champions had medium goalies. Um, the last couple NBA championship winners were actually, you know, they were teams. And I know Jokic is amazing, but, you know, the Denver Nuggets, they had a really good team. It's not like the LeBron James show or anything like that. I think football more than any other sport is impacted by this one position. And we thought Luke Getze was a genius when he was with Green Bay. Well, mm -hmm. it's amazing what it looks like when you got the MVP on your team, right? Like he, he looks like an offensive genius. Wow, look at this Matt Nagy. When he's in Chicago, he looks like a moron. And then he goes to Kansas City. Yeah, week one wasn't great, but I actually think people didn't give enough credit. And I wrote my tweets to create engagement to make fun of Matt Nagy a little bit because I like making fun of Matt Nagy and his dumb face. But they, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden Matt Nagy's a Super Bowl champion again, and he's an offensive coordinator that can drop 30 points in the first half. Well, you know, he's got Patrick Mahomes. He's got the best player in the NFL slinging his plays. So, like, all, I think people do sometimes in football – put a little too much emphasis on coaching. I'm not saying coaching doesn't matter. I'm Without Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't I have become the player that he is today. Bill Belichick helped Tom Brady become the GOAT. He worried about the – especially in the second half of the Patriots dynasty when Tom was pretty much handling the offense with – what's his name? Uh, McDaniels, I'm thinking of. And, you know, and Bill Belichick was in charge of the defense with the uh, – with the bearded guy with the pencil. Matt, on his name. Matt, Matt Patricia. Patricia. Matt Patricia. Um, you know, I, I just think sometimes the players play the game. And, I, again, coaching so important. So important. But you need the quarterback to complement the coaching. Otherwise, everyone's going to look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so what we're left with this upcoming week is, you know, two zero and three teams, right, uh, facing one another. If the Bears lose against the Broncos, and Las Vegas has said that the Bears are three and a half, uh, three and a half underdogs. I think the, the last line I saw. Uh, I mean, well, that's embarrassing in and of itself. But if the Bears do lose this game, and if they lose in a humiliating fashion, that it is clear that Kevin Warren has to step into the picture you can't make a change with the thursday night game coming coming on but he's got to go into ryan poles office and say okay this is not sustainable or if he's got to go into mccaskey's office first and, and but, but he's got to tell ryan Poles, i need a plan for you know uh, how we're going to improve this and it has to be 
heads have to roll. Uh, whether you're going to fire Luke Getze and promote somebody and uh, on the offensive crew to be the play caller, that's a tough choice. I mean, who's who's the logical person? Janoko? Janoko's never called a play in his life. Um, so that's that's a tough thing. Or you're going to fire Eberflus and perhaps make Hightower, the special teams coach, the head coach, and promote somebody from within, within to call uh, – call the defensive plays uh, like Hoke, the defensive backs coach who's had a lot of experience. Uh, and, and, and so something has to happen because you, we can't go through the next 15, 14 weeks of this disaster. And it would be really bring fan loyalty towards Kevin Warren if he came out it, with a strong denunciation of the coaching staff and, and made those moves. And he said something like, I have ordered Ryan Poles to make these moves. And then Poles comes out and makes makes uh, you know the announcements as to what changes have happened in the coaching staff. That's, that's of course, the worst-case scenario. I'm hoping for the best-case scenario, which is that the Bears win and Justin Fields starts working towards proving himself as a viable franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I, I still hold a glimmer of hope that that's what's going to happen. But, um, you know, there's there are systemic problems with the Chicago Bears that have gone on for decades. And if Kevin Warren is not the guy that's going to fix them if all he's going to do is bring in a fancy new stadium that's going to be half full because the bears are an embarrassment to uh, to us here in chicago uh that's not going to be good enough you know the bear uh the the barroom network will be totally focused on connor bedard and the chicago blackhawks because <laughs> there's good things coming with the blackhawks <laughs> in a few years <laughs> yeah i was racking my brain yesterday trying to figure out the last time all five of the major men's teams Teams all missed the playoffs in the same season, mm-hmm. and I, and it was last year. But I'm like back to back years. I was racking my brain like, has it happened in back to back years where all five teams missed the playoffs in the same year? And if the Cubs miss this weekend, it'll be the second year in a row. But um, you know, Ravi makes a good point. Was he this bad, Mark Tressman, comparing him to Ibrahulus? I'm gonna say, in terms of football X's and O's, he wasn't this bad. But I would still probably rather Eberflus because I don't think the Bears are going to have to go through a complete cultural overhaul when mm. Matt Eberflus leaves the way they did when Mark Tressman left. Everybody hated everybody. Yeah. We probably would have hated each other during the Mark Tressman era. <laughs> Just out of the pure what's in the air, making everyone hate each other. Yeah. Um, so but that's the one, but the one thing is, is Tressman did, did have – does have a better one loss record than either. Oh, well, so from that standpoint, <laughs> I'd rather have my zero zero record as bears has <laughs> than Matt Eberflus, who is on the precipice of going an entire calendar year mm-hmm. without a victory. They beat the new England Patriots. I think it was Monday night football. It was either Monday night football or Thursday night football. Yeah, It, it was, was a weekday those... game against yes. the new England Patriots and they won. Um, and they haven't won since. Although I gotta be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think the Bears are going to be shelled by the Broncos on over this weekend because I'll tell you why. They gave up 70 and they still scored 20 points. Mm-hmm. The Bears are on a NFL record streak of 13 straight losses. All of them, they gave up 25 points or more. You're telling me this Denver Broncos team that didn't score – or that scored 20 points in a game that they gave up 70. The Bears aren't scoring 70. So I assume the Broncos are going to score more than 25 points. There's no way the Bears scores 25 points. There's no way. So that's why I'm thinking 
I'll be stunned if the Bears don't get beaten by multiple scores. This yeah, it's hard. It's it's very hard to debate you on that because there's very little evidence that they can score that many points. I mean, this is a team that, you know, the quarterback is having a hard time passing for over 100 yards, 99 yards passing. In a game that's a route where you normally see quarterbacks throw for 150 yards in the fourth quarter, just garbage yards when they're losing by three, four touchdowns. And Justin Fields couldn't even do that. So that's the disheartening thing. And I understand that the offensive line is not playing well. He's playing with his 20th different offensive line combination during his uh, during the Eberflus area. I understand that Chase Claypool has looked like one of the worst trades in Bears history. I understand, you know, uh, that the defense is not giving him a short field to work with. But the tape, I'll use the phrase of somebody who used to work here at the bar room. The tape doesn't lie. There's open guys downfield, and he's not pulling the trigger. And so you can blame it on the coaching. You can blame it on the offensive line. You can blame it on everything. But it is obvious when you take it's basic football. I learned this when I was in high school, when I was coaching a flag football team. Quarterback drops back on that third step. He plants that back foot, and then he fires the ball. It's a timing pass, and that's what uh, what uh, Getsy has tried to get Fields to do, but he won't do it. Five-step drop, same thing. Plant that back foot, fire the ball. All It's all based on timing, and it's not happening, and there are receivers open. It's not, not all the time are they open, not all the time that he has the protection to get rid of the ball, but when the, it, when the receiver is open and he does have the protection, it's not happening. Evidence, 99 yards of passing. So that's the, that's the disheartening thing about uh, Justin Fields is can he flip a switch and turn that on at, at the very least at a minimum to complement some of the other things that he does well, like getting out of the pocket and finding a man downfield. He's got a very strong arm and, and of course, using his legs. Um, I hope that it happens, but I, 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 it's hard to argue with your prediction that, that, that they're going to get blown away. Now let me ask you a question. There's one defensive-minded head coach that I could see being in the final eight, let's say, final mm-hmm. ball, possibly even the Super Bowl. And that's Brian Dable and the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. We are very much in an offensive head coach type league right now. You think about Kansas City or Cincinnati or San Francisco or Philadelphia. All of them have offensive-minded head coaches, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dable, actually, wasn't he the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills? He was the one that got Josh Allen going. And uh, who am I, who's the coach of the Bills right now? They have a defensive-minded uh, – I might have – uh, Sean, Sean McDermott. That's who I'm. McDermott. Yes. McDermott. But you're right. D- Dable's with the Giants now, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just a name fumble there. Getting yeah. two guys. I wanted the Bears to consider both of them as mm-hmm. their head coach. Uh, I would have preferred McDermott, or I would have preferred Dable. But um, you know, they got this defensive minded head coach. They're really the only team. The Steelers are good, but I don't know if they're great. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm very much heavily in favor of an offensive-minded head coach. Has Matt Nagy soured you on that from a Bears perspective, or would you lean offensive head coach? 
No, I would definitely lean on an offensive uh, uh, head coach because you're either going to inherit a quarterback who has promise and you want to get the most you can out of him in Justin Fields, or you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round and you want to make sure that the head coach is the proper guy to lead the development of that quarterback. So under any scenario, a first-round quarterback next year or a or the continuation of the Justin Fields experience, ex- experiment, you need an offensive head coach. And, you know, we're, we're at a point now where – Mike McDaniel, uh, who should have been interviewed for the Chicago Bears job, I know uh, at, when he was available for the job, a lot of people were saying, well, he, he's another Mark Tressman, you know, a guy with glasses, nerdy guy, and so forth. No, this guy is a really cool guy who relates to players. The, the, the Tressman thing was is that he couldn't lead a locker room. Mike McDaniel can. He talks to the players on their level, and you know, he's, he's one of them, and he's so creative. He excites the players with game plans and so forth, and so you need, uh, in my mind, you need to bring in someone who has an innovative offensive concept, particularly if, again, if you've got a running quarterback, a guy with such athletic skills, can you imagine what Mike McDaniel could do with a Justin Fields? He might have him in that Taysom Hill uh, uh a scheme. He might have Justin Fields going down for bombs and hitting him with 50-yard passes as a receiver. And then on the next play, he goes in that quarterback and throws a 50-yard pass, 100 yards on one series. You know, uh, 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 that's hyperbole, but I, I think the league is ready for, uh, the Chicago Bears are ready for ingenuity at in the offensive head coaching position, offensive coordinator position, and we just don't have that. And Luke Getze, God bless him, he seems like a nice guy in these press conferences, but uh, he's preaching to the wrong choir here because we can see through it. His words are not sinking in with the fans and much less with the players. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's it's a shame. It's a shame that we're, we are where we are right now because over the summer, the Barroom Network is just turning out great content when it, in terms of positivity. I read an article for DeWindy City in July about the Bears going 10-7, and 7, I think it was, when I looked at every game on the schedule. And then I watched training camp and I watched the preseason. And people <laughs> called me negative again, whatever. You know, they didn't look good in the, pre- in the training camp in the preseason. There were a couple nice highlights. But, oh, DJ Moore had a 70-yard touchdown pass or – uh, reception from Justin Fields. So in your head, you think to yourself, Fields got in the pocket and he hit DJ Moore for a 70-yard bomb. Incorrect. DJ Moore received the screen pass and he's so agile and quick that he took care of these second and third string defenders that he was able to run all the way down the field for a touchdown. They both look the same on the stat sheet, but they both tell me that Fields isn't making these great reads down the field quite yet. Um, over-exaggerated good play by the Bears during the preseason, we now know in hindsight. Mm-hmm. You know, there is uh, a very famous way at looking at grief in people's lives. You know, there are five stages. There's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining, there's depression, and then you accept the grief. And with Bears fans, I I, ch- I changed the acceptance to laughter. I, I, and I've gone beyond the denial, anger, bargaining, and depression stage. And now I'm just laughing at the whole thing. It's This is so funny how the Bears have managed to ruin this yet again. And unfortunately, on social media, I try to read as many of, of the posts as possible to get an indication of how fans feel. I still think there are a lot of fans who are in that denial stage about yeah. Justin Fields. Absolutely. They're just not 
seeing the reality. And, you know, they, they will say things like, you know, I'm not saying that Justin Fields isn't accountable for some of the mistakes, but I think they're, they are putting too much emphasis on what's going on around Justin Fields and not seeing that this young man uh, has been a monumental disappointment. He should be much further along in his third NFL season than he is now, despite all the hardships that he has around them. Yes, there are a lot of people that still are in my, when I tweet something negative about Justin, I like Justin Fields. I loved him at Ohio State. He was electric factory. I want him to succeed so bad. Um, I, I am at the point you brought up laughing at them. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to laugh and root for them to possibly have the number one pick again. I think I'm at, I know it's only week four and I shouldn't be rooting for them to lose already. And like, and rooting for them to lose in an effort for them to get better, not because I dislike them. Different kind of rooting for them to lose than rooting for Green Bay to lose, for sure. I hope Green Bay wins just enough games to not have a top 10 pick. Be the four, be the 14th best team in the NFL, Green Bay. Well, I'll be so proud of you. Um, but I also think Illinois just has such a stink on their football teams and, mm-hmm. and at all levels, all levels. I think about college football in Illinois. NIU's been the best football team in Illinois for the better part of the last decade. They've won their conference. They went to an Orange Bowl. They, you know, Illinois, Northwestern, all these, even not Notre Dame, they're in Indiana and they've been good. But like all the teams from actually play in Illinois, that they all stink, including the Chicago Bears. And let me tell you something, Aldo. The Arizona Cardinals, who used to play their home games at Comiskey Park, they stink too. They still have that Illinois stink on them when it comes to football. The draft literally might go Bears, Cardinals, Bears, Cardinals. And if that happens, I am going to laugh so hard that the two Chicago teams are that bad in the NFL right now. And I kind of hope it does because if they draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., that might actually be something really worth watching. Indeed. Now, you asked me a trivia question earlier. I'll ask you a trivia question now. Who has the longest losing streak in NFL history? The longest losing streak in NFL history? I believe it's 21 games. Mm -hmm. Is it 21? Uh, I believe it is 29. 29. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, this is this is a long time ago. Yeah, this has got to be something. Twenty-one, I believe, is second place. It's the Tampa Bay Bucks, the, okay. the Jim McKay uh, era. Twenty-nine games, and it belongs to a Chicago team, the Chicago Cardinals. Let's go, let's <laughs> go, Cardinals. I firmly believe I would have been a Cardinals fan <laughs> had they stayed in Illinois because of yeah. where I my, where I come from and my roots. You know, with my dad being a Southside fan and all that and if they played their games at guaranteed great field or near it they wouldn't play at there anymore the team they don't really share stadiums anymore right the fact that they were like the south side's team i for certain would be a cardinals fan and you know not like that would be any better or worse than being a bears fan they could have been the fastest what was the greatest show on turf the you know dick vermeil and mark martz and kurt warner playing for the chicago cardinals and yep. bringing a super bowl in the south side of chicago that would have been yep. pretty cool yeah, but that's that a, that's cool. that's another uh what is it multiverse another universe <laughs> yeah there are other universes out there <laughs> dr strange and spider-man can help take me to a universe where the chicago cardinals exist and they won a super bowl and I have like a championship. I only take full credit, full credit, and this is going to sound depressing. I only take full credit for one championship in my life, the 2005 White Sox. When the Devils won their three cups, I was one, 
four and six, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. And I'm not a Cubs fan. I take no credit for 2016. And I like the Blackhawks. I celebrated. I went to the parades. I enjoyed my friends. I loved that hockey was thriving in Chicago. But they're not my number one team. Uh, and mm-hmm. the Bears were 85. I was three when Jordan – no, I was like four when Jordan left Chicago. So I really only have one true championship in my – maybe that's why I loved Tom Brady so much. He made me feel something I wasn't getting anywhere else. But there's no Tom this year, Aldo. There's no Tom. I don't know what to do with myself. What are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> I hear you, man. Uh, you you are the voice for so many Chicago sports fans. You really are. The, uh, you express the frustration, the confusion, the the anger. Uh, and by the way, you probably ex- you probably express all of those five stages that I mentioned before: denial, no, not denial, anger. You bargain maybe a little bit. With the White oh, Sox. I used to <laughs> deny. I used to deny. No, they're gonna turn it around, dude. <laughs> That's a five-game winning streak, and they're right back in it. They can win it. Don't lose in October, Bears. You'll be right. No, I'm not. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, This has been a fun hour, man. I really, really appreciate you inviting me on the show. I hope you'll have me back soon, bro. Yeah, absolutely. You are amongst my favorite guests. I'm not calling anyone. I've never called anyone my favorite guest. I can't do it. But let it be known, you are very much in the running. I love having you on very much. Thank you again. And I can't wait to see you, and uh, we'll uh, share a beer soon and uh, talk more sports and, and, and get caught up with family and stuff. All right, brother? Absolutely. I would love to do so. And to everybody watching in the chat, whether it be Mark or Ravi or who else was in the chat? Chubbs, my guy Chubbs. My mom was in the chat. To everybody, Travis. Well, I love Travis. Everybody watching in the chat that didn't comment, we appreciate you too. And if you're just catching us now, make sure you listen on Apple, Spotify. Go back on YouTube. Uh, we're on all sorts of different platforms that you can watch our show. I'll be putting on Twitter. All of it. Make sure you tune in. The Barroom Network has great Chicago Bears coverage this upcoming weekend. And guess what? Next weekend on Bar Down Talking Hockey, we are recapping what has gone on in the preseason so far. We're previewing the Metropolitan Division where this team plays, this original six team. My favorite team, the New Jersey Devils. That is our last division preview before we get into the 2023-24 NHL regular season. We are, I think, 10 days away from the regular season starting. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks leading off the NHL season against the Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Make sure you tune in to Bar Down Talking Hockey to catch up on all that. And, of course, this show next week with Playoff Baseball to talk about. So everybody watching in the chat at home or listening on the Spotify, Apple, all that stuff at your leisure, as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs>